Hello there. Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Well, joined by the Blake Rogers. It's good to be here. Blake, man, it's always it's always awesome when you're on. Uh, we <clears throat> we were talking a little bit before the show about moments when Blake lost faith in football players. And mm. uh, I, I don't want you to lose faith in me, Blake. Don't don't oh, lose faith in me. Jason. Jason. After a sermon like yesterday, man, you've got uh, my full faith and trust. Put me in the game, coach. Dude. Put me in the game. That was coach. a great sermon. Well, I appreciate it. Thomas, uh, you know, one month in, you you uh, you feel like you're you're still happy about coming here to Christ Covenant. This place is amazing. Is this your, wait? You've done this before. You've done this one other time. The talk back. Yeah, yeah, okay. I have one other time. Yeah. So this is your second talk back. Talk back number two. Well, um, Blake, actually, you know, I wanted to do. I talked about it this at first Sunday last night. I wanted to do this sermon series called Carolology, um, which I still yeah. want to do. Maybe yeah, it's a fascinating 2021, 2021. Yeah. But Blake came to me, maybe it was like August or so, Blake, somewhere in there. Yeah. And you were like, you know what we need? We need to get rid of the Carolology series <laughs> and replace it with a series called All Things New. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was I thought it was the right idea. I thought it was a good idea. I thought it was exactly what we needed to do. Um, so good idea, Blake. I Thanks. think we had a good yeah. start to All Things New yesterday. I think so. And, and obviously, like the heart behind it was, listen, 2020 has just been a weird year. People have been very fearful. Like the effects of the fall are like in your Everywhere. face all the time. But God's making all things new. Yeah. And, and that is the hope. And as we go into the new year, it's a good way to end this year. Well, I kind of started the sermon like that a little bit. You know, this, the, this idea of newness and what God is doing like this week, this coming week, we're going to Second Corinthians five. You know, I mean, maybe the greatest Bible passage oh, ever. Yeah. It's certainly up there. If anyone was in Christ, he's a new creation. It's the same idea, kainos, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll that we'll get there. We'll get there. But this this passage, this Revelation twenty one, it's it's one of those passages that, as I said, when when I kind of lose my way or get discouraged. Um, or maybe notice that I'm seeing the world in a little bit of a different way or light. Um, I can read this passage and be encouraged. Um, and it's helpful to me. I spent a little time there too, thinking about even like John's experience. Um, I mean, it wasn't easy to be the apostle John. I mean, he was living in a very strange time. He endured a lot of pain, a lot of change. Um, and as much as he had seen, you know, he still had to keep the faith. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I think for me, it's just, it, it, it's a super helpful passage to think about. I I was helped in a sense, just by being a part of the worship experience, just by being a part of a bunch of Christians, you know, I'm, I I know this sounds like maybe kind of self-serving or I don't mean it to be that way at all, but oftentimes I'm like helped by my 
own sermons or just like, even though I'm the preacher, like I'm helped by the experience of sitting under God's word, even, even though I may be the deliverer yeah, right. of the word yeah. in a corporate setting. Mm-hmm. So just the whole like worship yeah. experience yesterday was, was, was actually personally helpful for me. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but again, it's just the word of the Lord. It's, yeah. it's not, you know, it's, it's God reminding me of the very things that I'm trying to remind you mm-hmm. of. Um, yeah, so, that's yeah. Good. And I think what, one of the things you just said is very interesting for us all to think about, like the perspective of John, the apostle right here, who was, you know, <coughs> abandoned to Patmos and like he was left there to die. And what a gift from the Lord that he revealed this to him. Yes. At the very like when death is just a little ways ahead. And when you look back on your life and you've been through a ton of difficult things and he suffered much for Christ, what a gift that the Lord gave him this vision of revelation where even he in his last days had hope that God's still going to make these things new. Yeah. And and again, I know revelation is like one of those books that's confusing to read, but I do think the thing that you're supposed to understand as you read Revelation, is that all things find their yes and their amen in mm-hmm. Christ. That's right. And mm-hmm. yesterday's passage certainly leads us to think that way. So, I don't know, any thoughts, comments? Um, what was helpful? What do we need to spend a little more time talking about? I think the kainos idea, in an age where we're always buying new things and you're always upgrading, like just the idea that, that God isn't making new things. In other words, um, I think whenever I was growing up, I viewed like I had this physical life on earth, but then I would have an eternal life that would be new. Right. Right. That God right. would give me like a new life then if we were trusting in him. But that's not really what God does. God has created us as eternal beings and he takes the fallen sinful nature that we were born into this world with as an eternal being and makes it new to live in the kingdom of God forever. And so I appreciate what you said. God isn't a God who's going to give you something else that's new. He's going to make old things new again. Right. He's not making all new things. Right. He's making all things new. That's good. And I think that, uh, I, I mean, an analogy, and I'm just kind of coming up with this, like we're sitting here uh, among all this wood um, and these desks and everything. Uh, and, you know, Brandon, who makes all of our, uh, Brandon Watts, who makes all of our wood furniture. I mean, even in the wood right here, right? You, you can kind of see, cause it's all like real wood. You, mm-hmm. you can see the knots and you can see some of like the imperfections in the wood, but what does he do? He like sands it down. He stains yeah. it. He fills the holes and, and actually those kind of imperfections, if you will, become like some of the most beautiful features in the wood. That's right. And, yeah. and that's kind of yeah. exactly what the Lord is doing, I think, through our pain, through our mourning, through our tears. He's actually making something really good in us that's actually better than if he just made a new us mm-hmm. that wasn't that hadn't experienced all these things i mean i love that little matt papa line that i cited yesterday you know the calm will be the better for the storms that we endured um mm-hmm. and and i think if you have that perspective you can enjoy the really good things that god is doing in your life so mm-hmm. if if god has answered a prayer 
and you praise God for that. You should. And that's mm-hmm. a good thing that is part of who you are and part of your story and part of what God is doing in your life. But at the same time, if God doesn't answer the prayer um, in this life and in the timeline that you want, um, when you look at a passage like this, we're reminded, oh, he will. I mean, he, he is going to even renew mm-hmm. this in a way that is ultimately going to be beautiful for his purpose and for my good. Yeah. And, and, the, and the New Testament's yeah. full of reminders like right. this. Yeah. As you guys are saying that, I, I hadn't didn't think about it yesterday in the sermon, but Psalm 139 comes to mind where originally we were made fearfully and wonderfully. And why would the Lord just throw that away? He He did a good work when he made us. And then when he regenerates us, he continues that work. And then this passage teaches, hey, I'm going to I'm going to continue on the work that I already began in you. And that's echoed in the New Testament. I'm I'm going to complete it. Mm-hmm. And this this kind of project is we're going to see the completion of what the Lord started. Right. And the resurrection is the first fruits of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, even Jesus still has the scars of the cross. Yeah. Right. But those scars are beautiful. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. represent his mercy and love and grace and his faithfulness and his obedience. I mean, they represent so much. Um, but there's still scars, yeah. right? And so I think if you look at Jesus and you can see, okay, even this pain that he endured is now a part of his beauty, you can understand it a little what a little bit of what I think we're talking about, what God is doing in our lives. Yeah. It all yeah. like brings to mind for me like the importance of hope rooted in God as we journey in this world. Like we don't endure pain and suffering as those without hope. That's right. Um, and for the Apostle John, for all of the churches um, that have ever received these words, we need hope. That That's not to say that like life's not difficult, but there's hope in the difficulty of life as a Christian. I mean, it's kind of one of the things I said yesterday, like when you get thirsty, you'll drink from something, mm-hmm. right? Um, when, when pain or mourning or discouragement or sin, bitterness. I mean, it could be a bad, you know, it's not just like I'm dealing with something hard. It could be just a bad impulse that you have. When that comes your way, you will reach for something Mm -hmm. to appease you, to satisfy you. Um, It could be something good that you've made ultimate, right? So it could be work. You just work harder. A lot of people respond by just saying, I'm just going to work harder Mm -hmm. and make more money. Again, work is good. Money is good. But those things can become ultimate. They can become the source of your identity. Or it could be something kind of bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I read the New York Times had this article yesterday about Carl Lentz, the New York pastor. Um, and it was a really interesting article and, and, and sadly, tragically, horribly. Yeah. This guy that I believe God was actually really using in a big and powerful way um, lost his satisfaction in the Lord. And what did he do? He ended up drinking something else he ended up drinking obviously you know sin i mean an, an extramarital affair um and um but and that happens too i mean that, that's where mm-hmm. vices come from it's mm-hmm. it's this thing that we hold on to that we drink from if you will to appease our pain mm-hmm. and um and that's why i think this a text like this are so important to just reset us well i'm Mm -hmm. I'm glad you preached on this because i've i've used this passage before but primarily in a funeral setting a lot of times i'll use this in a funeral 
when people are in crisis. But yesterday we got to look at this when a lot of us weren't in crisis. And so we began to, to fill our head with the truth of, hey, hang on. The Lord's going to make all things new. Keep, keep my identity in him. And I love that part. I love how you started the sermon with, where do I go under pressure? When I get to study this passage in a calm moment, a Sunday morning, not in the midst of great loss and tragedy, it just helps kind of write the course and say, what do I fill my head with when I'm, when I'm in that pressure? Yeah. You talked a lot, and I think before we started the recording, about conquering. And I think we need to spend a little more time there. Yeah. Um, it is interesting how the, this is beautiful, hopeful promise. I'm going to wipe away your tear and make all things new. Mm -hmm. Thirsty, drink without price. Then he says, and this is kind of the way the Bible works, right? It's like, he's going to do this, but you got to do this, right? Yeah. To the one who conquers, he will have this inheritance or heritage, I think it says. But then it says, but to the cowardly and liars and, you know, lists all these sins, um, their place will be in the, like a fire, sulfur. It's very, very stark warning. I mean, if you look at Revelation, there's a lot of this, like, you put these two things next to each other and they couldn't even be more different. I mean, again, my, the one I mentioned yesterday that I think is the most stark is Revelation 19, the armies of God are arrayed in fine whitewashed linen. Mm -hmm. And then the enemies of God are literally dead carcasses on a battlefield that the birds are gorging themselves with. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty, I mean, that is a stark difference. Yeah. Okay. And um, this is kind of like that too. I mean, on one side, no more tears, no more mourning. On the other side, sulfur fire. And so how do you conquer? And, and what I kind of talked about yesterday was just the rhythms of grace, but I was quick there. Uh, so, I mean, I, you guys are pastors. Like, how do you conquer? Like, how do you keep your identity in Christ? How do you keep your hope in what God is doing for us? How do we not fall into the trap of putting our identity in something lesser? How do we not fall back into the way of Adam that we've yeah. learned from the beginning. Yeah, I'd love to flesh that out for a second because there is that tension, right? Like it's it's all the work of Christ. And we teach that every week. Hopefully in everything we do, it's all the work of Christ. Then there's this moment though where he says, but the one who conquers, and I'm like, wait, wait, that onus is on me. What, mm -hmm. what's, how, I don't know, Blake, how do you resolve that tension? Because that's a real tension of, yes, I trust that the Lord is doing all this work. Yeah. But there's a mark of, of my responsibility in here. Well, I mean, the, the Bible is a book that paints this beautiful picture of a nice tension between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. And you see those two things really dancing all throughout the scriptures, right? Mm -hmm. um, even unto salvation, right? Yeah. I mean, there's salvation looks a certain way, right? We, we trust that God is sovereignly choosing to reveal himself to individuals. Like, we believe the Bible says that uh, but at the same time there's a responsibility for you when God is revealing himself to you as as good as he makes the work of Christ known and he applies that to the heart what happens you're responsible to then repent of your sins have faith hope and trust in that and repent of your sins and so there's just this interplay and so um, how I'd answer that Jason is really like well, first of all, you have to realize, like the Coke commercial, everyone is vying for your allegiance. They want... Yeah, they discipleship want, is everywhere. Yeah, it, it, discipleship is everywhere. 
everybody wants to see you attach yourself to the narrative that their brand is creating. Well, what do we even call those people that attach themselves? Like think of Twitter, like we call them followers. followers. Like yeah. we, we yeah. kind of call them disciples. I mean, right. in a sense. So, and so like as a Christian, um, the one who conquers, I mean, I think you have to be a person who continually returns to this moment where in spite of all of the pain and difficulty of life, you're continually placing your, your hope in the work that Christ has done and the fact that he lived the perfect life and he died and, and was raised, right? He was raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. And that, that is a paradigm for how we ought to understand not only our own lives, but even our circumstances, according to what um, the Apostle John is saying here, that God, in spite of the death that may be present in your life, He's going to resurrect it. He's going to make yeah. it new. And I, I think when I look at these words here, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, murderers, liars, idolaters, all those folks, I don't think this is talking about a, 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 a sinful lapse in time where I tell a lie or I cast a lustful glance. Um, I think this is referring more to that habitual lifestyle where there is no mark of change. But it's not an excuse for those momentary lapses of sin that I might have. Or I think it is a description of not conquering, right? And so yeah. what is conquering? And I think you could say it this way, like conquering is trusting in the victory, okay, that we've just heard about, that Christ has achieved, mm-hmm. right? it's not too different from the garden, right? Like go back to the garden. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's even like, uh, you know, like Augustine's uh, Peke Picare, Peke Non Picare, right? The way Augustine basically kind of talks about this is like after regeneration, we are again Peke Picare, Peke Non Picare. So before before sin, Adam could have sinned or he could have not sinned. Mm -hmm. Um, After sin we were not able to not sin. Like we, we, we sin mm-hmm. all the time, right? In the new heavens, new earth, we will not be able to sin, sin right? right? But now after regeneration, after the work of Christ, we're kind of back to where Adam was, right? Yeah. We're Peke Picari, Peke Non Picari. And I think that this is like one of those great warning passages that says, look, like Adam, okay, enjoy the design, enjoy the presence, mm. enjoy the kingdom, Enjoy what God has given you, okay? He, did Adam plant the garden? Did Adam create trees? Did Adam create seeds? No, he just tended the garden, right? He had a responsibility within what God had designed, but the way to enjoy life was actually just to kind of enjoy the design of God and not to go outside the design right. of God, right? Mm-hmm. And to find his place in the presence in the way, obedient in the kingdom. And I think that's kind of what the Christian life is, right? We, we, yeah. see, we understand ourselves now as people that God has saved in Christ and the way to enjoy the Christian life, um, trust and obey, right? There's no other way to be happy in Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah. it, but it is, it's just to say, okay, God's design is good. That's what it means, I think, to conquer. But if you're not doing that, okay, if you're trusting in other ways, mm-hmm. right? What did Adam and Eve do as soon as they sinned? You know what they did? They hid. Why? Because they were afraid. 
cowardly, right? What did, um, you know, Cain do when he had killed Abel, right? And Adam said, where's your brother? And he basically said, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper, right? He lied, mm-hmm. right? And so all of these things, sexual morality, sorcery, like what is sorcery? Now people kind of read that and they're like, um, Harry Potter. Yeah, but I think that sorcery for today, like for example, conspiracy theories, right? It's like, I can see something that no one else can see. And that's how I'm gonna figure out the world rather than just kind of trusting in the way of God, right? So all of these things, and I'm not gonna go through the whole thing, sexual morality, I mean, that's one I hit on yesterday, right? Sure. Because, you know, look, you know, the narrative of the world is if you're young and single and good looking and have money and you got a cool apartment, like hook it up. Like this is your only chance, you know? And so it, what it's saying is when you don't follow God's word or when you don't call these things are the, this is what will be true of you. And you're, and that's, those people aren't the people that are conquering. They're not finding themselves in God's place and in God's design and in God's presence. They're running from that. And there's a price for that. Yeah. And it's a really big price. And I, I think, I think that's super descriptive. It's, it's, you almost did a summary of the book of first John. John seems to kind of elaborate this whole idea in first John where he, he kind of paints the picture of one of the signs of a regenerate person is they sin less and less as life goes on. Right. And that's, this is just happens <coughs> to not give that much space. It gives one, a one verse contrast, but the book of first John's a great supplemental reading for this of how that plays out are you more deeply trusting in the design and the presence and the purposes of god or are you resisting those things? Yeah. yeah 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 um okay you also mentioned the second death that's an interesting thing man nobody talks about second death we talk about the first death yeah we don't, don't even really talk about the first death isn't it interesting that people don't like to think about death yeah. Like that's a new, that's a new thing. In, in the in olden humanity. days, in the olden days, people died in wars. Mm-hmm. We celebrated things like Memorial Day. Like nobody celebrates Memorial Day. You know what you do on Memorial Day now? You like cook out. Yeah. Like we don't want to think about people that died. <laughs> um, in the olden days, they had cemeteries next to churches. Nobody's got a cemetery yeah. next to a church. And you were constantly confronted with death. Um, now people don't even have funerals. You know, have you noticed that? You don't want to see the body. You don't want. Everybody's to. getting cremated. My dad told my dad told me when he was a kid. You guys will love this. When he was a kid, little kid, he walked in, and his great uncle was laying on the table, and all the men, and he he was dead, and all the men were sitting around telling stories. My dad's a little boy, and he just this was burned in his mind. He's like, what what is happening? Mm-hmm. But they they dealt with death. They had a sitting with the dead, is what they called it, and they would sit around. They'd tell story, and the funeral was the next day. The table, like the kitchen table? Yeah, it was on the kitchen table. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's next but, level. But what it did was it taught him this is a part of life. Maybe, this is right. We don't do that anymore, though. We sterilize it. Where we, have we all the cowboys it? gone, is what Come, I want to know. I mean, what, where is that? Yeah. Come on. But well, a lot of funerals today are called celebrations of life. Yeah. And I understand, like, kind of where that comes from. Like life is a gift, life is a gift and we just kind of want to celebrate the we, gift that this person was in life. Yeah. Yeah. But gratitude is a good response to that, things. That's yeah. right. But there's this diminishing of death. It's it's you want to you don't want to talk about it. You just want to so celebrate the life you don't want to realize. And, and we all get the first death for well, sure. We diminish the first death, but we also kind of diminish the second death too. 
Oh yeah. People, somebody told me yesterday they oh, yeah. haven't heard like somebody speak about like fire and sulfur and hell like since they were a child. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But it's kind of a theme of scripture, you know. Uh, I mean, there there is. I mean, Blake kind of talked about it last week. Like the judgment of God is on us in mm-hmm. our sin, uh, and we can't avoid that. I don't like particularly like that. That's true, but. I do believe that it is true, mm-hmm. and it's actually the only thing that makes the great salvation of Christ even Sweet. worth anything. Yeah, and so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we we have to your point, Thomas. Like, we need to confront that. We have to confront that. We should confront that more. Um, How amazing is it that Jesus, on his on the cross, gives us the opportunity? to not go through the second death. I mean, he, he took that wrath of God. Yeah. And so we don't, as, as followers of Christ, as believers, we don't know. We'll all go through the first one. And he went through it too, but we don't have to go through the second one. That's a good point. Jesus died the second death on the cross. Mm-hmm. What was Jesus doing on the cross? He was dying the second death. And he completed the death of the second death. Yeah. That's why, you know, the death of death and the death of Christ, right? You know, John Owen, right? Jesus died the second death in our place. That That's yeah. a good kind of mm-hmm. quick, summation of what's happening on the cross that's right what about heaven if heaven ain't a lot like dixie i don't want to <laughs> oh, go yeah. yeah i know you know i that, is that a wrap right uh, there is that yeah. the, is that the last line well i think what hank <laughs> yeah. i think actually hank williams is kind of teaching us something you know um i i think he may not understand what he's teaching us but he's getting at um, I don't know what Hank Williams thinks about heaven. You know, yeah. I, I know what he thinks about hell, right? I know yeah. that hell and New York City are similar in his mind. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I think what he's saying is um, he's, there's something in, there's the image of God in Hank Williams Jr. that's longing for a renewed life, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Now, I think he's kind of over, he has an over aggrandizement of Dixie. And this is coming from a boy from Alabama guys. So, you know, I, I share some of those tendencies, but, um, but he's saying like, you know, I don't want heaven to be like quiet, you know, choir practice in the cloud. Like I was saying yesterday, like, like there needs to be life and reality and beauty and, um, and you know, whatever else, I mean, you know, relationship and, and so, um, creation you know Mm -hmm. if all heaven is is a white light you know god is so much more creative than white lights you know now god will be our light right we need light to see what god can create but there's it's a new heavens it's a new earth and so actually hank williams is he's he's actually kind of helpful right yeah that's what you said and you you just reiterated (laughs) it as a little kid you had a very similar thought i love how you you were going back to the garden though multiple times yesterday um because i think that's what the lord's taking us back to it is. It is. There's a lot of themes that, like, oh man, John picks up from Genesis. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can't miss that in the whole book of Revelation, really. And and those they they were gardening. They were in relationship. They walked with the Lord. Uh, I mean, they had a Sabbath day. It was. It's all the best parts of life. That's right. Right. Yeah. God I mean, created life. Yeah. Yeah. And life is good. Sin is bad. Mm-hmm. Sin is ruined life. But mm-hmm. God wants to restore life. Mm-hmm. And that's our hope. It's also true that like, you know, going back to Hank Williams, that um, mm. your view of heaven may reveal idols that you have. 
Mm. Um, you know, what, what is heaven but the place where we're in communion with God? But I think when we dream of what heaven will be, we hope that we have this and that. Right, and, right, and, right. And that it's Dixie and, yeah. and all of this kind of stuff. Or maybe there's like, you know, streets of gold in a mansion and whatnot. But I mean, and yes, but the beauty of heaven is that God is there. Right. And, and that should be what we long for is this yeah. unhindered communion and fellowship with God. And the only picture that we have of that is Genesis 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people say, though, when you talk about well-meaning folks that, that identify as Christians, say, I can't wait to see so and so. I can't wait, especially if they've lived a long life and they've mm-hmm. lost some loved ones. I can't wait to see so and so. And. And that's good. And you're not saying that's bad. No, I'm not saying that's bad. But the number one desire. Your greatest desire. Yeah. Is to be with the Lord. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But being with the Lord is almost like implies this display of himself. And how does God display himself in what he's created? Mm -hmm. And that's what the hope of this is, is that he's, what he's created is good. He doesn't say what I've created is bad. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm just, I got to restore it. Sin has made it bad. Mm-hmm. So, great, good. great passage to meditate. It's on. awesome. Yeah. If they don't have a grand old Opry like they do in Tennessee, just send me to hell or New York city. It'd be about the same, same to me. So mm. thanks for helping us out. Hank for Hank Williams, Thomas Nelson, Blake Rogers. I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.